Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Chiefs. I am Chris Clark, and as you can see with me, I have Matt Derrick. We're going to get to talk to him here in just a moment. I do want to thank everybody for making Locked On Chiefs your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm going to talk a little bit about the moves that the Chiefs made over the past couple of hours and what that could mean for this team going forward. And then we might take a little bit of a sneak peek going forward into the Washington game coming this Sunday. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. A little bit going on right now, isn't there? Just a little bit. Yeah, the Chiefs have had a busy Tuesday. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, I think we'll start with a move that made a lot of sense to me. Dries Fountain was released uh, by Kansas City, and the corresponding move, it looks like, is uh, bringing up... I'll let you pronounce the guy's name, Prince. <laughs> I believe it's Prince Tegawanango. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and that's a little bit interesting to me. I do wonder, you know, you mentioned on Twitter that it could be a move corresponding with Joe Tooney. Uh, I could see that. But again, the question I would have in that regard is if you, they're bringing up him for Tooney, you know, I, I guess I guess that means that they don't trust LDT. I guess LDT or, or Wiley or any of the other guys that they have that could go in there, Alec Reddy. Uh, but I guess this is just another move that they're going to make. It makes sense because Fountain was the seventh wide receiver. He hasn't played yet this season. Yeah, and there's a lot that you know that could be going into it. And and remember, I mean, you know, one thing that the the Chiefs kind of lack behind Mike Remmers is, you know, their preferred choice is kind of a swing tackle. I mean, after Remmers, honestly, it would be Andrew Wiley at this point. Um, with with Tego Anango coming up. Would tell me that hey, if you if you don't have Joe Tooney in the lineup, Mike Rummers is probably the guy that comes in. What then happens if you lose one of your tackles? Then that's where you know the Chiefs, knowing that they don't like they love as little disruption as possible. If you've got Rummers at left guard, I think they'd rather bring Tegawanango in to play a tackle position or the you know the right to be able to move some guys around and have some depth there and not have to move Rummers out of out of the guard position if they didn't have to. Um, it's a little bit tricky. I mean, there's always a little moving parts that can go into it, but, and you're right. The chiefs do have a ton of offensive line depth and, and places to go, but Mike Rivers really is going to be, Mike Rivers is going to be their sixth man off the bench. I think that's pretty clear at, at most any position, but center. Um, and then if he's in the lineup, you're, you're really missing a swing tackle. So I think that's where, where Wanango really comes in. Fair enough. And then you also look at the fact that Orlando Brown Jr. was on the practice or on the injury report last week. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, you hope that Tooney is going to be able to continue to play, considering it sounds like he broke it in the first series and continued to play through. I think that he will play. Uh, from what I remember, he hasn't missed a game in his career. Is that correct? That's my recollection as well. I mean, he has been a, a an Iron Man, and you know, it's not that he hasn't been hurt. I mean, those guys get banged up all the time. So I think that speaks to his toughness that he doesn't come out of the lineup and he didn't come out Sunday night. And not only that, but he played effectively. I mean, you know, no, I was going to say, uh, we talked really about it. Effectively. We talked about it the other night. I mean, when, when Mahomes had the scramble, there were huge holes behind Joe Tooney and yep. he's been, a, he's, he's been, a. I didn't notice any drop off in his performance. Now, Hey, playing with a cast, maybe there will be, and maybe they want to give him some protection. And right now that the chiefs, with these moves have the ultimate flexibility, but honestly, we'll see what happens on Wednesday when practice starts, but I'd be, I'd be surprised if, if Tooney missed any time. Yeah. But you make a great point when you're talking about rimmers and anybody else that would be coming in is if you don't have that swing tackle and you don't want to have to move rimmers, if you end up having to have him play 
because of Tooney, that does create other issues. And so I, I wonder how that's going to, you know, go into this next game against the Washington football team. And really quick, I do want to touch on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but we'll do that in the set in the next segment. But really quick, I do want to also mention quite the story came out uh, with the Raiders organization over the past couple of hours, or well, past day. Yeah, um, and, and really the past few days. I mean, going back to right. the the, the D. Marie Smith first coming out, um, things ha- unfolded very quickly on Monday. I mean, things 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 unraveled quickly for for John Gruden. And I know there's a lot of speculation, and I've got it too, that, that this isn't the, the end of the road. I mean, the investigation into the, the Washington football team and, and their culture um, could very well have a lot of ramifications on, on teams outside of Washington. I mean, this, this could be the first piece. There could be more. Maybe it's the last piece. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I don't th- uh, th- this investigation that the NFL conducted into Washington – has some tentacles and they could, they could reach out elsewhere. And it really makes me wonder what's, how this is going to affect Oakland. I mean, this is a team that, you know, as it looks like they've been distracted the last couple of weeks, maybe we, now we, we get a little bit of a sense of why, um, but how will they respond without John Gruden um, could go a couple of different ways. We'll see what happens with this team going forward, but it's definitely, I think going to have an impact on the AFC West race. Yeah, definitely will. And of course, you mean Las Vegas, not Oakland. But yeah, I, I, I got you on that one. Man. I got you. Yeah. No, tr- trust me. I still say San Diego from time to time. Los so Angeles, I, Las Vegas, 16, 17 games. Yeah. No, I get it. It's <laughs> it's one of those things. Uh, you know, we're just still not there yet because they've played in Oakland for so long. The one thing I will say is when you start looking at what this is going to mean for the Las Vegas Raiders going forward, you know, they're three and two. So this is going to be a distraction. I did see something for bet online. Who's one of our sponsors that they think Eric B is probably at the top of the list of the next head coaches of the Las Vegas Raiders. I would be shocked if that happened mainly because I don't see Andy Reed wanting him to go into a division rival. Now I understand that it's going to be Benjamin's choice, but I just can't see that happening. Yeah, you know what? I think with with Andy, I think that the the ship has sailed on you know going to an AFC West rival. I think that with everything that's happened with Bienemy the last few seasons, I, I think he just wants him to get a job. He wants him to get his chance at being a head coach, and I don't think he'd have any problem. Now, the the one you know the re- requisite that Andy might have is, hey, you're not stealing anybody from Kansas City and taking them to to Vegas with you. Um, would not be unheard of for head coaches to, you know, issue those kind of proclamations. Not that, you know, there's any protection against it, but you want to keep the peace and you want to respect friendships and relationships. So I, I could certainly see that happening. Honestly, I mean, we'll, we'll see what jobs are available in the offseason. Uh, I could see BNME being a fit, but if he were going to go to an AFC West team, I think there'll be an opening in Denver, and I think he'd be a lot better fit for that, and I think that's the job he would prefer. Yeah, I could see that as well. And uh, he was at the University of Colorado for a while, so I could see him wanting to go back to that area. When we get back, we're going to talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who did head to IR, but there's still a little bit more to talk about in that situation as well. Hey, Chiefs fans, this is Chris Clark with an incredible app for everyone who buys gas that they need to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 cents per gallon for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus of $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two or $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. 
The cash back is added to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card from Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN. All right, speaking of touchdowns, the guy that won't be scoring touchdowns for the Kansas City Chiefs for at least the next three weeks is going to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, that's uh, the ballpark of where I would expect him to be out with this the MCL sprain. That's uh, typical, you know, two to four weeks kind of baseline for a grade two. We don't necessarily know specifically how severe that injury is, but all the reports would suggest that it's probably in that ballpark. Um, three weeks, you know, minimum. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs, you know, wanted to be pretty cautious with bringing him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, if for no other reason than, you know, hey, they, they've got a, they still have playoff aspirations. They're still planning on playing in January and February. And if that's the case, you know, you want Clyde to be healthy and rested. So I, I think they'll take it pretty easy with him coming back with bringing Derek Gore up from the practice squad. You know, they've, they've got plenty of depth. They've even restocked the practice squad behind him with Elijah McGuire. And, uh, you know, with, I think with Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon, they're they're ready. I mean, they're ready to run there at that position. And I, for one, I'd be really interested to see what uh, McKinnon can do with a few more opportunities. And, and I think he's going to get them going forward now. Yeah, and I think what's exciting about that, I don't like injuries, obviously, but I think what's exciting about it is they did start getting McKinnon more involved in the offense, especially against the Bills. He played a lot before Clyde even got hurt. So I think that they were starting to ease him into the offense. So obviously he's going to have a better – or a bigger role in the offense going forward. So we'll watch and see how that ends up. Uh, I do think that it's going to be something that's going to be fun to watch and see if they actually get Gore active on game day. I will be, I I guess I won't say I'll be shocked if he's active on game day, but I would expect that it's also possible he won't be. Uh, Kansas City likes to have a lot of running backs, but with what they do with Hardman and Hill uh, at different times, putting them in the backfield, I think that maybe one game they go without having Gore up because you're going to have number issues elsewhere. Yeah, especially since, uh, you know, it looks like there's a pretty good chance that they're going to be, you know, going with six wide receivers on game day going forward. And, and we saw on Sunday night, um, you go six wide receivers active, uh, you're you're going to only have three tight ends and yep. to go with your three running backs and, and Mike Burton, too. So, yeah, they've got some some decisions to make there. I wouldn't be surprised if they did let Gore, you know, be active because, you know, you yeah, you do need to have some numbers there and some depth. And that's been the one thing that that they have wanted to have is usually three guys back there who can get the football so and especially because McKinnon's a little bit of a different back I mean he's not a uh an every down back I mean he's a guy who's really going to be only in some sub packages so yeah I I could certainly see it and and there was plenty to like with Gore that you know we saw Mm -hmm. during training camp I mean I think he he impressed during those preseason games uh, he showed really good hands throughout camp as being as far as catch the ball. I mean, go, it goes back even to OTAs. I was really impressed by that. A uh, little bit different style, um, and uh, he's got some decent speed. So maybe the Chiefs can even find a way to work him into some of the packages that they're using right now. Well, the big question I'm going to have, and this is the thing that I don't have a great answer to, is can Gore step in and play the special teams roles that you've seen McKinnon play? Because if he can't, that's going to limit what you can do because at that point you're going to have to have McKinnon still playing those roles. And who's going to be your special teams guy that's going to step in for you know the position at some of those other snaps? That's going to be something that they're going to have to juggle and get figured out. Uh, I do think McKinnon's done very well on special teams, so I don't want to take a lot of that away from him, but – at the same time, if he's going to have a larger role in the offense, you have to wonder if they're going to be looking at reducing his role on special teams. Yeah, I mean, especially because, you know, McKinnon's not a young guy. I mean, he's, he's been around too. for a while. So 
you know, yeah, yeah you could you might be able to say, hey, 50, 60 total snaps is, is handled. And, you know, that's something the guy can handle. But, yeah, I mean, that's for a running back that's going to be a special teams guy that's going to take some punishment. Yeah, I, I and I can certainly see Gore being a guy that can take some of that workload off of him. So maybe they, they split some of those touches a little bit on special teams, but some of those reps. But um yeah i i'm 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 really interested to see what mckinnon can do because i i think he's a perfect chess piece for an andy reed kind of offense and really wanted to see it for a while so it looks like we're gonna get to see it going forward here for a little bit it's interesting to me because you sit here and you look at this offense and you think that okay they need to get clyde edwards alaire obviously this is before the injury involved in the passing game and they really hadn't and they still haven't to this point uh, even, you know, this week they didn't really get him involved. They tried to get him involved a little bit. They tried to get the running backs in the screen game, but they haven't been successful in the screen game like they have in the past. And I have to wonder if that's going to come back and haunt them because they have to get that side of it figured out. Yeah, and that's and that's and it has been very curious to me about the, the screen game and why they haven't been utilizing it as much. I mean, and they certainly didn't last year. Uh, that was something that they kind of drifted away from. And, mm-hmm. and and this season, again, I mean, even even during training camp, we didn't see them. We had we used to see some days where they would work on screenplays all day long, um, and, and we haven't seen that as much. And you know, I think it shows on the field because um, they've had they've run, tried to run a couple of running back screens this season, then you know one on Sunday night that just did not work. And whether that's on you know William or, or on on Clyde Edwards-Helaire, whether that's on the the you know, just lack of practice, whether that's on the offensive line not having a you know, a consistency there. I mean, that's something that, you know, I've, I've said before that screen games under Andy Reid's kind of a ballet. I mean, it, because everybody's going to know where they are um, and having guys who had been around for so long and knew their parts was a big part of why that screen game had been effective in the past. Now yeah, had, you've got five new guys. It's hard. And they had guys that could move. And that's one thing yeah. that they don't have at the tackle position right now. Orlando Brown is going to be willing to try to go out there and get in space but he doesn't have the speed that Fisher had. And that's just the reality of the situation. So your game has to change a little bit and who you're sending out of the screen game has to change a little bit. Uh, but it's definitely something I think Kansas City needs to try to get back into their offensive scheme. When we get back, I want to flip it over to the defensive side of the ball, talk a little bit about that, and then probably talk a little bit about the Washington football team game that's coming up. Because I do think that this could be a, a sort of a revival for Kansas City because if you look at the next three games – I think that they should be able to win all three of them before they end up playing the Green Bay Packers here in a couple of weeks. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. This week they have a limited time flavor cookie dough chunk, and it is absolutely phenomenal. You need to go try it. Uh, If you haven't tried it already, you absolutely need to. They have nine delicious flavors that they have on a regular basis. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. So there is something there for everybody. You can get a mixed box where we get two of each of the nine flavors. Most of the flavors have between 17 and 18 grams of protein, between 130 and 180 calories, only four to five grams, four or five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. You need to go check out Built Bar. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Uh, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Now, when we start looking at the bets, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, you start looking at betting and, and what do you want to bet on. Uh, right now, it's the Vegas, who's the next Vegas football coach right now. BetOnline.ag has Eric Bieniemy as the favorite. Uh, we will see if that happens. I'll be very interested to see. 
We're back and we are better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron. And as I said, they're all on the Raiders right now trying to figure out who their next head coach could be. And I'm wondering if they actually get somebody in season, which would be almost unheard of, but it wouldn't shock me. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From football to boxing and right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Man, there is just so much to talk about on this defensive side, and I just don't even know where to start because you look at what is going on, and it just doesn't make sense. Uh, They've got players that have been there. They've got experience in almost all the positions that they need. But I did see something that they have the best EPA on offense, which is expected points, uh, and then they have the worst EPA on defense, and that is they're one of four teams to do that. Uh, at any point in the season, and Kansas City has been three of those teams in the past couple of years. And How it's un- aggravating is that? I, I, and remember, they they were that way when the you know in the early two thousands with Trent Green and that defense and too. Exactly, that so. was the first one. That was two thousand two <laughs> so. was the, the number one. So yeah. So it's a, it's it's a Kansas City tradition: all, all offense and no defense. <sighs> Um, I mean, I, hey, I, we've been talking about it for a while that I'm, I'm perplexed because this defense did not look like this in July and August. I mean, there were a lot of us, me included, who thought that this, this Chiefs team might be better than, than 2019 and 2020 because the defense did look pretty good and the offense looked like as usual. Um, outside of turnovers, the offense had been everything you wanted. Um, right. But defensively, this team has just not had it. And it, it is very perplexing because you're right. I mean, a lot of the same pieces, and in, in, in even some of the, the new guys are in. I think you think that they're upgrades, uh, but you know the one the one really miscast piece at this point. I mean, everybody's harping on is Dan Sorensen, and and it's hard to make a case for for Sorensen at this point to me. And I, I'm, I'm I've been struggling with it. I, I don't know. The Chiefs have had a couple of different narratives out there as far as why it's Juan Thornhill and not Dan Sorensen. And to me, I mean, it, it all comes down at the end about you put the guys you out there. The reversal can, of that, why it's Dan Sorensen, not Juan Thornhill. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, or why not Juan Thornhill instead of Dan Sorensen? So just um, to clarify, sorry. Yeah, it's semantics there. There's a little word. Uh, but it does, it's perplexing to me because, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that, that Andy Reid and Steve Spagnolo have preached forever is about putting guys in bad positions. And right now they're putting Dan Sorensen in bad positions. Um, he's 31 years old. He's playing a greater percentage of snaps than he's ever played in his career on defense. And I get this guy was, you know, a, a, a you know, two way threat for a long time because he usually played almost every special team snap that he could and defensive snaps. So this guy played 90 to 100, 100 snaps sometimes. But Dan Sorensen, I think, has proven and shown to you he is a number three safety. And the Chiefs are asking him to do more than that. And the only thing that you can conclude from this is that they feel like Juan Thornhill is a, a third safety as well. And I, I still don't see it. I don't get it. But once again, I think I said it on Sunday night, Steve Spagnuolo has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. But I, I think this week when we talk to the coaches, I, I think they've got to make the case to us about why it continues to be Dan Sorensen and not Juan Thornhill. 
because there's just too many mistakes being made in that direction. Well, and you start looking at it, and Daniel Swanson, and, and I guess I don't know for a fact that it was strong versus free, but it sure seemed like the long play to Diggs, that he caught him down the middle of the field, he was playing a free safety type role. And you can't have him in that position on a regular basis. He doesn't have the speed for it. He never had the speed to play that type of position. And yet Kansas City keeps trotting him out there and putting him in that in that position. And the worst part about it is that with as much as they haven't played Juan Thornhill, they are hamstringing themselves even further because you can't put Tyron Matthew in his best position, which is probably a robber role, as opposed to being an actual safety on the field. Yeah, and... You know, I went back for comparison's sakes to look at Ron Parker, who was another safety the Chiefs had for a long time. And I, I, I think that, hey, I, I'll give Dan's credit for having a higher football IQ because I think that's one of the things that's benefited him his entire career is that he's had a huge football IQ. Um, Ron Parker, however, I think was arguably more of the athletic than, than Sorensen mm-hmm. ever was and could be. You know, the Chiefs walked away from Ron Parker at 30. And they ended up bringing him back at 31 simply because they had so many injuries. Um, but he wasn't as effective at the end. And I mean, in 31 was Ron Parker's last season. I see a lot of the same traits right now with Dan Sorensen that, you know, he's getting the same same beats. And you're right. I mean, it's not it's not IQ. It's not positioning. It's not any of those things. It's simply athleticism and speed. And the Chiefs are putting him into positions to, to do things that he's just not built to execute. Uh, I, I like I said. I mean, this is not a knock against Dan Sorensen. I think he's one of the best, if not the best, third safety in the league, and and especially as a dime linebacker. Uh, but when you're asking him to play single high, you're asking him to to play mm-hmm. some free safety. He's not built to do it, and I, I don't. I just I still don't get why the Chiefs are putting him out there in that spot, unless what they're telling us is that no one else on this roster is capable of playing that role either. And everybody would argue that Juan Thornhill should be that guy in that role. So. Uh, I have a really hard time believing that they're going to be able to to sell that. Now they're going to continue to do it more than likely. So we'll see how that ends up over the next couple of weeks if Thornhill starts playing more. But I think at some point you're going to have to either play Thornhill or you're going to have to, and I hate saying this, you're going to have to release him because to me at this point, it's what are you telling your defense? Because right now it seems like you're telling your defense that you're going to continue trotting out somebody that can't do it anymore when you have somebody that can, and that isn't the message that I would think you'd want to send to your team. Yeah. And, and, and that's a, a big question to me. I mean, is that if you know, the chiefs truly felt this way back in, in trading camp, that that's when you need to go get a solution. I mean, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're, if your thought at that point was that one Thornhill mm-hmm. can't be the free safety on this team, then you need to go find a free safety. I mean, you need to be looking out, out on the market and the Chiefs make some other moves. And that's the one position that they really haven't tried to upgrade. Right, it, which is funny because they are looking at – I read something that said that they were looking at uh, Marlon Mack from Indianapolis, and I'm sitting here going, you're going to bring in a running back when your offense is probably going to be okay if they can just stop turning the ball over. But you're not going to help the worst unit in the league in a long time on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you have to try to make moves to improve that defense. And I just don't understand why they haven't to this point. They haven't brought anybody else in uh, and at least given them a try. Well, and that's the other, you know, to this side of this coin to me, which is that if the Chiefs are telling us through their actions that they don't believe that Juan Thornhill is is capable of playing the number two role in that, sa- that safety tandem, then you're one injury away from utter disaster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
So I, I just don't get it. I mean, it's it's well, they have Armani Watts too. I mean, they could put him in there. They've known where they're at for a while now. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and and what perplexes me is that even we go back to 2019 when this defense I think played its most effectiveness under under Steve Spagnolo, especially in that second half of the season. And a big part of that was a lot of three di- three three safety looks with Thornhill and Sorensen all out there at the same time, but mostly specifically Sorensen was the guy who was in that that third safety role in that, that dime linebacker spot. And then you had Kendall Fuller, too, who was really playing kind of a dual safety role. I mean, so it's 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 been perplexing to me that this season, you know, most of the time when the Chiefs have gone sub packages, yeah, you see a lot of Thornhill, but you, you, it's been more likely most often three corners. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just not quite sure because I, it feels like they've got the personnel to do some of the, exactly the, some of the same things they did in 2019 when they were so effective and they're not doing it. So I, I, Steve Spagnuolo is seeing something that I'm not seeing right now. And like I said, he's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. But right now when the defense is playing the way that it is, I know he said he doesn't want to panic, but I, I, this is you looking at the numbers. It's time to panic. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And the one thing that we've always known about Steve Spagnuolo is he likes to be able to get after the passer. And that's one thing Kansas City has struggled with continually this year. I'm really disappointed so far in the defensive line. Obviously, we know Frank Clark has been injured and he hasn't gotten going yet. Chris Jones missed his last game. But really, when I start looking at this defensive line, I was expecting that Wharton was going to take a step forward. Saunders would take a step forward. Jerron Reed actually really excited me to have him here because I thought – with Jones, Clark, and Reed, you're going to have pass rush, and it just hasn't been there. Kansas City is going to have to figure that out. Obviously, it's not something that it could figure out maybe this season because it doesn't look like there's going to be able to bring they're going to be able to bring somebody in to add to that pass rush right now. But that's definitely going to be a position that has got to be overhauled in 2022 if Spagnuolo is going to stay here because right now they just don't have the pass rush. Yeah, it's I killing mean- them. I think we know at this point, you know, hey, Frank Clark's probably not going to be back next year. So, you right. know, you're definitely going to be looking at edge rushers. Probably need to be looking at some inside guys, too. And you got to figure out what you're going to do with Chris Jones as well. Um, but, you know, I'm I, I'm perplexed by this front four for no other reason than, you know, you go back to week one. Chris Jones had a great game against Cleveland, and, mm-hmm. and that was as an edge. And it's the only game he's played this year where he was 100% healthy. So to me, I mean, the verdict is still a little bit out about Chris Jones on the edge and if it's going to be a, a move that pays off or not. But the biggest part of it was Jared Reed. I mean, he was the guy that the Chiefs were really counting on to make a difference. And he hasn't. I mean, he has not played effectively. And you saw that, you know, in the second half of that game against Buffalo, um, more or less, Tershawn Wharton took a, moved ahead of him on the depth chart. And I, I think that probably needs to stick that way. Wharton probably needs some better chances because that, that defense played better in the second half and they did it with a little bit more Willie Gay. They did it with more Tershawn Wharton. And honestly, they did it with some Juan Thornhill too. So to me, it, it, the, the Chiefs need to look hard at that second half against Buffalo and see what personnel groups worked, what they did. And that's what they need to stick with. I mean, to me, it's the the, the one danger coming from that Buffalo game is that if, if you look at it as, as a whole and you just simply say, oh, you know what? The defense got better in the second half. We're on the right course. No, that probably means <laughs> your, your, in, your in-game adjustments worked, and right. you need to look at those adjustments, and that's what you need to, to take going forward. Right, and the the only caveat to that and the problem with that is, is that Buffalo is up two scores going into the second half, so they could have also changed their offensive scheme 
to dial it back a little bit just to try to get you know more yardage and keep the ball longer and keep Kansas City from scoring quickly. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. A little bit looking forward going to the Washington football team game. It's going to be very interesting to watch Kansas City go against this team and how this offensive line is going to go up against Chase Young. I'm really looking forward to that. How are you feeling about this game coming up? Yeah, I mean, I know I think the Chiefs are seven, seven and a half point favorites in this game from from Bet AG. Um, to me, yeah, this is a game that they've got to win by double digits, and and they probably need to put forty on the board and have a good defensive effort because this is not a good Washington football team. I mean, they've got a couple of wins, but one's against the Giants, and the Giants are terrible. The Falcons are an enigma this year. <laughs> Um, you know, you, but you, you, this is a team you got to take care of. And, uh, you know, Taylor Heineke is, he's a game manager. I mean, you need to get after him. You need to get forced to make some turnovers. You know, Washington doesn't really turn the ball over, except Heineke can move, turn it over. Um, they can't run the ball effectively. They're pretty middling across the board. So, I mean, this is an opportunity for this chief's defense. To, I mean, this is the worst offense that they faced this year. Yep. So if this Chiefs defense doesn't get healthy there, that's a problem. And the one thing the Chiefs offense has going for them is that the Washington defense hasn't been very good this year. Which uh, is a surprise because I thought they were going to be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly not as good as they were last year. And Chase Young has struggled. They do have so many guys up front that you got you got to be worried about. And you got to make yep. sure that this is not the week that those guys get it right and start playing well. So you protect Patrick Mahomes, you give him some time. He can pick apart this defense if you keep him clean. Um, the defense, I think, should bounce back. I haven't I haven't settled on a final score yet, but I am I, I, I against my better judgment, I'm gonna go with a Chiefs route. Um that was probably just doom for the Chiefs. But yeah, you know, honestly, if they don't win this game with a convincing offensive effort by double digits, I, I've got some serious concerns going forward. Yep, no, I get it. Matt, again, thank you so much. You can go find him on Twitter down below at Matt Derrick, and you can also find him on Chiefs Digest, so go check that out. Thank you all for listening today. We'll be back with the crossover tomorrow. Really looking forward to that. And then on Friday, we will have our game preview. Thank you for listening today, and we will talk to you tomorrow.